Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Valentine's Day. What images come to mind? Red hearts, red roses, romantic dinners, sentimental cards, or something else? Is it a day you look forward to or one that you actually dread? I can take it or leave it. Yes, it's always nice to celebrate love, but that should be a daily activity, not a once a year kind of thing. But like so many other things that are hyped up with expectations, disappointments are often what follow. And the fallout can really be damaging to your relationship. But why does it have to be so hard? Well, I'm really glad you asked. And to find some answers, I am joined by systemic executive coach and author of Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, A Powerful Guide to Transformation Through Disentangling Multi-Generational Patterns, Judy Wilkins-Smith. Judy, thank you for coming on the show and talking about what is a very popular topic. And that book is a mouthful, but I'm so excited. I cannot wait to read it. <laughs> well, I'm listening to that book, and thank you so much for having me on. And yes, it is. I listened to that. Wink. My goodness, that is a long <laughs> title and tagline. <laughs> but but part of it is is that based on what I do, I'm very familiar with multi generational patterns. So I'm glad we're going to be talking about this. But that, let's go from the beginning. So you, you're you, the title of the book is Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, and we're talking about Valentine's Day, which is highly emotional. So what exactly is an emotional blueprint? So an emotional blueprint occurs when you have a significant event in the family system or even globally. And Mm. it's strong enough that it creates an impact on the family system or an impact on on the system. And that becomes a blueprint for the way things will be from there on in. So, for example, if you have the Great Depression, you now have uh, subsequent generations of hoarders or spendthrifts, yes. people who go, well, easy come, easy go. I made it, then they took it. Or people who go, I don't know where my next penny is coming from. Save, 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 save. So what happens is you have the event. It creates language and reactions and actions and thoughts and feelings. And those then, if we believe them hard enough, then turn into a mindset or the truth. Only Mm. it's not the truth, it's your truth, and you can change it any time you want to. But that is an emotional blueprint. So that's interesting that you point that out, because I think we're kind of going through an event like that now. I think the pandemic could very well be impacting, become an emotional blueprint event, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, And here's the interesting thing. When you start to realize that you have these emotional blueprints, You also begin to teach yourself in the moment when there's a crisis, when there's an event, to stop and say to yourself, what am I teaching myself right now? What am I telling myself and what am I feeling? Because I'm about to create a truth that I'm going to believe in. So I'd better be mindful. Oh, that is such an interesting perspective because those truths get created without without much forethought. And so you're actually talking about bringing an awareness to this. I don't know how many people do that or have that. 
and so is that something well, we've never been taught to, have we? we it's, well, it's, it's sort of really exactly as you said, it's unconscious and invisible. And what this work does is it teaches you to literally make the unconscious conscious and the invisible visible, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, not, very few people know that they're doing it. You simply react and you go, I'm stupid, I'm hurt, I'm angry. And then we start to tell ourselves these things that become a truth. But again, it's not the truth. It's simply your truth that you can change. Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm thinking too many of the arguments I've heard with my clients, you know, couples arguing with each other about what the quote unquote truth is. And I'm going, okay, stop. That is, you're, you're heading down a road that, that you're never necessarily going to agree upon because I think of this very thing you're talking about, the emotional blueprint. And, and so that kind of leads into the next question about what is the, first off, what is a relationship pattern and how are they connected to the emotional blueprint? Well, you just st- started down a really interesting pathway with that because you said your clients start to, to argue about what is the truth. And really what you're saying is if you were to put them together opposite each other and then line up their family systems behind them and let each one take a step to the side, you'd see who's really arguing with whom. It's the systems. And so so that's what forms a relationship pattern. Mom said don't ever depend on a man. Mm. Dad said all women are cheats. And so we take that in as though it were the truth. And if it hits home hard enough, it becomes a reality for us until we're willing to look at it and change it up. You know, and that's, you know, and that's the interesting thing because, because a lot of times, and I know you know this, that you, we start absorbing these patterns. If not when we start drawing breath, sometimes before, because babies can actually hear what's going on. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely before, and not even just by breath, because what you, if you look at some of the studies, mothers who've been through significant trauma have babies who may be either malnourished or obese if there was any threat to the food supply. Mm-hmm. And that then echoes down through generations too. But in terms of relationships, we totally want to look at our mothers and fathers to see how am I the way I am. Or if it's not mom and dad, our grandparents or the, the excluded ones in the family system. They're where you go looking for your patterns. It's very seldom just you. It's usually you in response to the family system and you then repeating the family system and thinking it's all about you. No, it's not. <laughs> But it is about you because you're the potential change agent. Well, and, you know, and so that's where I think in terms, so, you know, and and so just taking, just, just taking what we're talking about Valentine's Day and the expectations. I mean, there's the societal expectations, which I have my own. Absolutely. But there's the individual. There's the individual yep. ones about, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm thinking, and, and, if, and I, I'm thinking of a couple that I worked with for a long time, and um, special occasions were not a big deal in her family. Birthdays, you know, Valentine's Day, anniversaries. I think they sell, I, I think they did Christmas, but that was about the only thing that they did. And, and in his family, celebration of these, events was really important and they 
were constantly going round and round because he didn't really want a gift from her. He, you know, he just said, you know, a nice card. You know, and she's like, it's just a piece of paper. I mean, I think it's a lot of the way people think about, well, why should I buy flowers? They're just going to die. I mean, you know, it's this. Exactly. And, and these ideas come from someplace. Exactly. And the beautiful thing is those ideas are literally there for you as a clue to a pattern that's trying to stop and one that's trying to start through you. It's the chapter that only you can write and nobody else can. But first you need a prompt. So you go looking at the patterns to see what has me limited and what's really calling to me. The ones that have you limited are usually tied to your family system. And the one that's calling to you is your real, genuine, present and future. Because 95% of the time, we're actually simply living and repeating ancient history. And we think that we have free will. <laughs> Not so much. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, and it's, I mean, as you're talking about this, so can you just give a brief definition, because I know what you're talking about, but maybe some of the listeners don't, about what you're talking about by a family system? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, for asking me. Um, a family, so we have a number of systems that we're born into, we inherit, all sorts of things. But your family system is your parents, your grandparents, your siblings, going back as far as, as you, you can or can imagine. And then also anyone in the system, in the family system, who has had an impact on your family system. And that can be an outsider. Mm -hmm. That can be um, a perpetrator who came in. Somebody stole from me. Somebody was raped. The minute that happens, their system is intersected with yours and become a part of yours. And there is a good reason for that. It is trying to show you or it causes the imbalance that's going to prompt you to have a look at something that is off kilter in the system and restore the balance. And in fact, there's a beautiful piece at the moment. You know the, the Disney movie Encanto? I, I have not yet seen it, but I'm just here. I'm hearing absolutely fantastic things about it. Well, here, here's the deal. If you want to know what systemic work and constellations is, Go and watch that movie because what happens is she goes looking for an excluded member of the family. And in a sense, because of her lack of these huge skills that the family have, she is excluded. Mm -hmm. And so she's the one who's got to be willing to look when nobody else will look, just like the excluded one did. And so if something happens in a family system that you've just asked about, and it's not resolved, that forms a pattern that expands and repeats. And it will keep repeating until somebody looks at it and goes, this isn't working for me. My relationships are not working for me. Mm -hmm. Every time I have somebody, I pull back. What is that? Well, mom pulled back. Why? Well, grandmother had somebody and he bailed on her at, at the aisle. So, you know, it's, it's looking at where did that come from? Is it still relevant and service, uh, serving me? And is it time for me to change it into something different, something that really works well now? And, you know, and this is one of those things that shows up when we are in a significant emotional relationship with somebody, our partner, our children. Um, and, you know, you know I, I joke that, 
you know, we parent the way we were parented. It's not a joke. That's actually true. And, oh, and, and I and I remember, you know, and I remember, you know, as a as a child, my my father. I've said this before. My father used to use this expression <clears throat> that if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something good to cry about. Which I was. Oh yes, we all know stupidest. that one, right? <laughs> I mean, I thought it was the stupidest thing I ever heard in my entire life. And I, sw- I mean, I remember it's like, you know, I remember swearing you know, to God that I would never use that expression with my children. Now, I've probably, re- I mean, and, but there have been other times when I've been dealing with my children. I went, oh, my God, my mother just came out of my mouth. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. But, but this is what we do. And our, and, and our partners are doing exactly the same thing. And, and you know, they and, are. And and so this is you know, this is one of those things where you know we can we can look at our look at our partners and going okay this is just crazy where is this coming from and then you start looking at it's like oh well this is because of this and this is because of this other thing and you know when we need to do that with ourselves about well you know wh- why do I do why do I fold the towels the way I fold them or you know, whatever whatever exactly. it is that we do you know, why why do I eat the kind of foods that I eat or or react right. in a particular way and it's so important because not only is it for you to see and change but in every one that that feels limiting there is mm-hmm. always always a gift it is a it is a strength that is trying to come through you it is a transformational piece that is trying to come through you Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, people will say, I had a terrible childhood. And then, then I say, that sounds interesting. Aren't you lucky? And they go, excuse me? <laughs> and I go, Do you not realize you've just been set up to have an incredible adult life once you understand the gift in what you got and what it was your job to do with? Because in that is your destiny. And relationships are no different. Everybody in the family gets divorced. Maybe you're the first one in five generations who can stay when you see what caused the original. Mm, I love that. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm talking emotional patterns and how they impact your relationships with systemic executive coach and author Judy Wilkins-Smith. So if you see yourself repeating unhelpful behaviors in your marriage and don't know how to change them, you're not alone. And if you're like most of us, you're simply doing what you've learned. And as we're talking about today, the good news is that you can learn to do things differently. And if you're ready to do that, I can help. I invite you to take a moment and get in touch with me to schedule your free, no-obligation, five-star relationship consultation. You can reach me at area code 919-924-0463, again, 919 919- Nine two four zero four six three, or you can shoot me an email at Leslie L E S L I at foundationscoachingnc dot com. That's F O U N D A T I O N S coaching and it's a Nancy C is in Charlie dot com. And I want to get back to this conversation about relationship patterns, their impact, and what to do about it. So can you give me so can you give me an idea about what a relationship pattern is? I mean, an example. Uh, there are lots of them, but I'll tell you one of my favorites. So I had this, this lady come in to, to a live event. I do a lot of live events and use mm-hmm. both systemic work and constellations, which we'll talk about. And um, she, she comes in and she says, I'd like to do a piece of work. 
Sure. So she comes to sit in the seat next to me and she says, I'm married to this man. I'm about to divorce. He's really stupid. Ah, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. And, and he's sitting in the room and I'm going, well, this is going to go well. <laughs> um, and I said to her, oh, okay. Yes, this is my third husband. So I said, right. So he's stupid. Yes. Oh, absolutely stupid. So tell me about your mom and her relationships. Well, she was married to three different men. They were all stupid, so she had to divorce them. Mm. So I set them up because what I do in a constellation is I use live representatives to represent each of those so they can begin to see it, not just think about it, but actually see it and interact with the pattern. Mm. So then we get to her grandmother and I say, tell me about grandma. Well, she was married to three men and um, they were all terribly stupid especially the first one that great 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 at least great grandfather he lost all the family money so Mm. there we have it now we know what's kicked this all off and so she says so in our family if men can't handle money and they're that stupid we divorce them and then she looks at me and she she sees these rows of men and women and she says to me do you think there's a pattern Yeah, so this is what we'll see. We also will see things like um, women who cannot stay married. And then you go back in time and you have a look. Great-grandmother lost great-grandfather in the war. She said you can't depend on a man. Of course you can't, not if the poor guy's dead. Right. You can't depend on a man and she had to take care of business. And now we've got very strong women who all take care of business but they can't keep a man. And that's because it's, it's, there's an unconscious piece that goes, my dear great-grandmother or grandmother or mother, if mm-hmm. you couldn't keep the love of your life, how dare I? Ooh. So do you think that actually comes from the, the people who might still be alive and their input? Uh, well, what it comes from is, you know, girls, you can't depend on a guy. They may disappear at any moment. But what it gets diluted down to is don't depend on a guy. Boom. And we don't know why that was first said. So you want to understand that if it's possible. Now, sometimes it's not because you may not have that history. Uh-huh. In which case you go looking at your own relationships and, and then it's, it's pretty easy. You write down what happened in my relationships. What do I tell myself about that? What do I make it mean about me? What do I make it mean about the significant other? And you'll begin to see the patterns. When did that first happen for me? What was happening in my life at that time? So what are some, what are some of the roadblocks that, that we have in, in looking at our own patterns? Because, I mean, I, I will talk about this, and, and I will say that, you know, when you're part of a relationship, when you're part of a marriage, you have a built-in scapegoat. The focus is on the other person, like you're, like you're talking about the, the person that you were interviewing and she was talking about her, hus- her husband's plural being stupid. And there was a thought to me, it's like, well, yeah, but you married them. So, yep. <laughs> so there's, there's that. Um, but, but how do you, know, what gets in the way of looking at our own patterns? Our unconscious loyalty to the system. Quite unconsciously, as human beings, we want to belong. And so that, that emotional DNA, that which, by the way, we inherit as much as we inherit physical DNA, that emotional DNA 
cascades down through the system and your way of belonging is to say, in our family, nobody survives with men. In our family, we can't keep a guy. In our family, all the women cheat. And so it's locked in and deeply unconscious, but it's sitting there between us all the time. And so it's often only when I set up a constellation, which is that spatial representation of all members of the system in relationship to each other, that we actually see it for the first time. And then we begin to understand the words we speak, the feelings we feel, the actions we're taking. We begin to understand that emotional DNA and how it's got us. Does that make sense? Well, yes, it makes perfect sense. But, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there going, okay, so how do you do this? I mean, it's, you know, part of this is getting to that place. I was just, um, I was just interacting with a, with a new contact on one of the, on a social media site. And he was telling me that he was, you know, that he, he was getting divorced for the third time and that he'd probably mm-hmm. never get married again. And, and of course I'm going, okay, uh, that's, that's telling. Um, but how do, how do we get people to take a look at that? So two ways. First way is exactly why I wrote the book. I wrote the book so it would take people step by step by step through what do I do when I want to see my patterns. So that's number one. Number two is there's a very simple way of doing what I'd, I'd call a constellation. Okay. And that is to take it, you identify all of the pieces of the issue that you're working with. In other words, in your client's case, maybe all the women mm-hmm. and himself and his parents. And then you, let, you write each one on a piece of paper and you lay them down in relationship to each other. Mm-hmm. And you start to look at who's more distant. Who's close? Who am I like in my relationships? What are their relationships like? Because now you've got a physical, tangible way of looking at it, walking in it, touching it, and actually being able, as you walk towards any one of those pieces of paper, to listen to yourself as you're walking towards the one that says, Dad, well, I'm not getting close to him because his relationship sucked. They were terrible. Except that that's what I'm doing too. Oh, good gracious, is it possible? Mm. So this is a very tangible way of looking at it. Um, And yeah, it allows you to to engage multiple senses. And it also often allows you to to gain very quickly insights and thoughts about, oh my goodness, of course. Of course that's why dad uh, was so distant. He went off to war. He never came back. He's still over in, in that war. He never mm-hmm. got to complete there. So, oh, it's not that he didn't love me. It's that he couldn't be present. Right. And that's, you know, and, and, and this is what couples are doing all the time is they're playing, they're playing out and replaying out and replaying out these patterns without understanding where they even come exactly. from. Exactly. I mean, you know, this is, I mean, because I'll hear this, you know, and, and it's, it's like, well, that's just the way I am. He, she is just going to have Oh, I love that. It. I love when people say it's exactly the way I am. I have two responses. <laughs> One is, are you sure it's exactly the way you are or is it exactly the way someone in your system is and you've borrowed it 
Mm-hmm. And number two is, if it's exactly the way that you are right now, what's possible with one new thought, one new feeling, and one new action? Who might you become then? And, you know, and, and I love that because, you know, I, I, again, I was talking to a client the other day, and he, he got, he'd gotten into it with a coworker. And he said, well, I had to. And I went, whoa, 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 time out. <laughs> no. I love that. I had to. Did Why not. did you have to? Right. When somebody says, I have to, that tends to be a sign that there's a systemic component. Mm-hmm. Why did you have to? Well, because it was the wrong thing. And what's wrong is wrong. Who told you that? Right. My mother taught me that. Mm-hmm. So really, this is your mother speaking to your coworker. Well, I mean, and this is, you know, and this is the challenge that I think that, you know, so many, you know, people think, actually, again, talking about another client, she was so funny because she, she bounced into my, this was probably 15 years ago, and I still remember this like it was yesterday, because she comes bouncing into my office, and she said, I had an epiphany, and I said, great, what was it? And she said, well, relationships aren't natural, and I burst out laughing, and I said, well, where did you get the idea that they were? But this is what people think, that I behave the way Absolutely. I behave. Just because that's who I am and that there's no alternative. And, and there's a perfect person for me who mm-hmm. will complete me. Mm-hmm. No, if they really are good for you in a relationship, they're going to take you to your worst wound. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the idea. Um, I, gosh, I, I, I think his name is John Barth, but um, it's a quote about, you know, marriage is our last best chance to grow up. And I love that quote. That's so, such a good quote. Because, because they are going to challenge us. Um, and, and they and were hopefully not to. in a, not in a, uh, a hurtful way, but some, but sometimes, you know, sometimes they will, you know, I mean, you know, my husband, I, has never intended to hurt me, but sometimes I have been hurt as a result of something that's happened. And of course, I know that that's mostly about me. Um, and I'm able to give him the benefit of the doubt that he has no idea that what he is doing is causing me pain. And that I have to share that cause, with him. Yeah, but what he's also causing, and this is what we don't do, is your husband is your biggest assistant. Mm-hmm. He may be causing you pain. He's mm-hmm. actually asking you, without saying it, or getting you to look. Because if you look at what that pain is and where it came from, you may very well find it doesn't belong to you and it's itching for you to change it into something else. Or it, or it belongs to me because I'm thinking about, and I've shared this story on the show before, but many, many years ago, and my husband, who's a very smart man because he did not do this in the middle of one of my tantrums, um, but he said to me one day, he said, when you get upset, could you please handle it differently? Now, he did not tell me not to get upset because that would be like, don't breathe. But, you know, he asked exactly. me, he asked me in such a way, you know, and, and I could have gone, I, you know, I mean, I could have just fallen into, well, that's just the way I am. You're going to have to accept it. Luckily, I had already done something. I had already been doing the work I've been doing. And I realized I'm doing damage to the relationship. And he is gently letting me know he doesn't really appreciate having, you know, both barrels at him. Even if I wasn't upset with him, he would still experience it and I'm, and I'm really going to tell on myself because my son oh I love it because my son was telling me about a dream that he had 
where I was yelling at him and he, he was leaving the room and apparently my head popped off and rolled after him while I'm still yelling and I'm going, oh my God. I mean, so this, I mean, so you're talking about these patterns and these relationships and these emotional blueprints and all this stuff. And I'm going, oh my God, that is the pattern that I set for him. And, and you know what? And if I, was, if I were working with you, what I would say to you is, so who in the family couldn't be heard or what wasn't heard that they had to yell? Oh, and, 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 I can, and I can drag, and I can put that to me. I mean, it was like, that's, that's how, you know, I mean, my, I, had a com- I had a conversation with my mother many years ago, and, and she said, yes, I would hold perceived hurts to myself, and then I would explode. I'm going, okay, if that doesn't say everything, I don't know what does. Um, it's there like, you go. Okay, you know, and, and so this is what, and I think it's scary for people, so I, I want, what can people do? I mean, because, because going to these places, you know, and, and, you know, and things like Valentine's Day, you know, they're just, they're just exemplars. You know, they're just touch points of where these things can be um, set off. So what would, be, what would be a concrete, I mean, I know you've given the example of how people can actually sit down and, and examine this, but... Is there some advice that you could give that, I mean, quite frankly, we all go through this because we're all functions of family systems. I mean, we all are. But, but what are right. some, I don't want to say safe, that's too, maybe, maybe um, baby steps into this because it can be overwhelming. Okay, so here's the first thing that people need to know. I hear the overwhelm. That's because we think that we have to fix our broken selves. And that is not true. Okay. We are incredible and remarkable lives if only we know how to see that. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing to know. Mm-hmm. The only reason that this is happening to you is because it's saying, hey, I need you to make me something else. So it's a gift that's trying to come to you. And it's also telling you that if you have hyper reactions, if you're really angry, you're the holder of that gift. It's mm-hmm. pretty special. So it's not that it has to be scary. It's more that it is an adventure. So you really want to look at it that way. This is an adventure to see what part of me wants to emerge next, and it's going to be good. Now, how do you look at it safely? Have a look at the places where you really struggle. Mm -hmm. And the first thing is don't make yourself wrong. Uh, Make yourself curious. Yes. Because if you can go to curious, you're going to go in, you're going to find what that pattern is, you'll very likely find its origin, and then you can look at it and say, what new thought is possible for me here? If I look at it now, what new thought is possible? Does everybody have to lose their partner? Do I always have to explode? I know that at some point I exploded and wasn't heard, And I just shut down and said, I'll keep it to myself. Mm -hmm. But what if I were to sit down and say, I'm scared I may cry, but could you listen to me? Mm -hmm. And I really told you what was on my heart. And then I really took a step and said, not only am I sharing with you, but I'm scared that you won't love me if I tell you. Mm -hmm. And I trust that I can keep this in your hands. I'm going to look at me. We are very lovable creatures. We like to think we're not, but we are. So it's really to sit down 
and look at it A as an adventure, B from a point of view that when you start to explode, you've outgrown your little box, it's asking you to be bigger, and then C to look at what you can do that's different and that lights you up and makes you happy. Now, the important piece about that is when you start to do one new thought, one new feeling, one new action, it mm -hmm. can't just be in your head. Uh, you've got to tell yourself something that you really believe in. And we're actually very good at that. We're super good at saying I'm stupid. I'm <laughs> and horrible. Yeah, we have no trouble believing that, right? Yeah. No problem believing that. What you've got to start believing is I can do this. I can be joyful when everyone in the family is sad. Mm -hmm. I can be strong when everybody else is struggling. I can talk about things even when it feels scary to open my mouth. And I'm going to do just one thing. And you really don't have to do hundreds of things. Just one. Because the minute you do one and, and, you, and it lands well and you believe in it, you're going to do just two. Oh, I and then it. just three. So just one. Yeah. And also always ask, does this belong to me? Or does it belong to someone else? Because the chances are it may not belong to you. It's simply waiting for you to transform it. And I love that. So, Judy, thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful information. Can you please tell the listeners where they can learn more? Absolutely. They could go to my website, which is Judy Wilkins with an I hyphen Smith. So Judy Wilkinssmith.com. And don't forget the hyphen between the two. Great. And so we all do what we've been taught, and a lot of what we learned has occurred informally. It's been in the atmosphere you grew up in and how you have interacted with it over your life. A lot of the time it works. The challenge is when it doesn't. But your relationship patterns happen without you even being aware of them. And you can't address what you don't know is there. This is why many people stay stuck. But now, after listening to the, to the show, now that you know, are you willing to take that one small action, that one small step to create better relationships and a better life? And I hope one of the things that you continue to do is to listen to this show. So until next week, stay loving.